You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in Central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest-growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. AI is a decision augmentation technology or an automation technology, which means we have to really thoroughly understand how people make decisions and figure out how to appropriately automate or augment them. And so it's really a people challenge because now you have to educate a ton of individuals at an organization to be able to leverage this technology appropriately. From Columbus Business First, it's Women of Influence, an interview series showcasing some of the most inspiring women in the Central Ohio business community. Reagan Avon felt the time had come to start her own company. She had been thinking about it for a while, reflecting on the ways artificial intelligence was impacting businesses and the unsolved issues she saw across industries. So she made the jump, putting in her notice and readying for her next phase in February of 2020. Of course, that's when the world changed. The arrival of the COVID-19 pandemic made Reagan one of scores of female business owners who took the dive into entrepreneurship during a seismic shift in the global economy. As part of our coverage of National Women's Small Business Month, we sat down with Reagan to talk about her journey and her experience so far. The first thing I noticed when she walked into her office was something I had to ask about. She is, simply put, quite young, having graduated from college in 2016. I wanted to know if and how she deals with imposter syndrome. Yeah, this is such an interesting question, too. I also run an organization called Women in Analytics, and that question comes up all the time Mm -hmm. for, like, highly, highly accomplished women that I've met. I think if someone says that they're not experiencing it, they're probably lying. So, yes, there's absolutely moments where I experience that. And, you know, my dad's actually been a huge supporter of me on helping me overcome some of that and like figure out why I feel that way. And yes, I am younger. And so I think that also is a challenge for some people because typically in a room, especially for sales or, you know, a lot of what I do, I am probably the youngest person there Mm -hmm. by a decade or so. So yeah, sometimes it's a little daunting, but I always remind myself, like, why do I deserve to be in that room? What sort of value do I bring to the people that are there? And that usually helps me kind of overcome that. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, Reagan decided one way she could bring value to any room she enters is by starting her own company. Much of our conversation was dedicated to that journey. So Mm -hmm. was it always your idea that you yourself would start a company? Where did that drive come from? For the longest time, I was like, absolutely not. Because I kind of watched my CEOs that I would work under I was like, that looks terrible, (laughs) just because it's a lot. I think I grew a huge passion for startups because 
the sky's the limit. Like you can do whatever you want. And that was always really appealing to me. And for a long time, my excitement grew out of watching other people create a vision and helping them execute against that vision. So that's always been super fun for me. I grew antsy and like frustrated over the years and was so passionate about this one idea Mm -hmm. for probably three years before I thought about even starting a company around it. And that drive and frustration really tipped me over the edge. I never thought I would actually do it, to be honest with you. And even when I worked at Model Op with my co-founder, Brendan, both the CEO and CTO, who were successful already in their careers, had IPO'd company, was like, you're going to end up starting a company. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, no way. (laughs) And then did. After spending a few months making sense of how the world had changed, Reagan took the leap into entrepreneurship in August of 2020. What was it like starting a business amid those wild conditions? I think I was fortunate in the sense that my job can be very digital and I can work from home. So that made what we do at least sustainable during that time. And in addition to that, I think what the pandemic did for a lot of companies, if there is a bright side to that at all or a positive, is it forced them to be reliant on data to make certain decisions. So for a long time, companies haven't prioritized leveraging data because it's hard. There's a lot of foundational investment you have to make. And, you know, you can make decisions like you always have without data and get at least far enough. Mm -hmm. So companies have been doing that for a long time. And I think what the pandemic did was reinforce this idea of data because we were real-time reacting to changes. And in order to understand the consequences of our decisions at every point in time, I'll use Coda as an example, taking certain buses out of the route or reducing capacity by 50% on their buses. What sorts of impact is that going to have on certain demographics of individuals who do not have vehicles and need to get to their job? So, you know, but they also had a reduction in the amount of people that could work Mm -hmm. and drive the buses. And so this becomes like a data challenge. And their C-level was highly interested in making sure that it was basically optimized for what was happening. So what exactly does Align AI, Reagan's company, do? Here's how she explained it. Yeah, so I have been in the artificial intelligence space for almost a decade now, which I feel like is a long time (laughs) at this point. And I've always worked at startups. I've taken on a lot of technical roles in my career, grew a huge passion for trying to figure out how to make AI more user-friendly and get people to participate in the process of creating and designing AI early on in my career. Like just, you know, when to product management was pretty obsessed with this idea. My co-founder and I worked at a startup together called Model Op out of Chicago. And we were working with enterprise organizations to help them deploy, test, monitor, manage machine learning models. And we recognized a huge issue, which was more of a people process problem, not really a technology problem, which everyone was focused on the technology, which is still fun. But the biggest problems in AI were around people and process. And so we knew we wanted to start a company around that. We just weren't sure when. 
And I was working for a startup in Columbus after Model Op for about six months and decided to quit my job to start Align AI. And I put my two weeks in February 28th of 2020, (laughs) had no idea that a pandemic was going to shut everything down. And my last day of work was Friday the 13th, March 13th. Oh my gosh. When everyone was leaving the yeah, office. And it's like right after Tom Hanks got COVID and everything. It was crazy. Yeah. So just did not know what I was getting myself into. Gave myself a couple of months of breather room just to like figure out what was happening at a macro level before really launching this thing and and then just dove right in. Our first customer was with Coda, actually, which was a really fun project to support to help them kind of maintain their capacity to Mm -hmm. get essential workers to their jobs. For many of us, AI is the new hot thing. The rollout of ChatGPT and similar platforms has driven community-wide awareness of the technology. But Reagan was the perfect expert to put those developments in context for the industry many of us are just now confronting. Okay, so you mentioned that you were sort of formulating this idea and then generative AI happened. So I think to a lot of people, probably self-included, now when I hear AI, I do just think ChatGPT. And so what did kind of the, the technology look like when you first got interested in this subject? You said you've been in AI for a decade. Mm-hmm. And how is that different? And how is that evolving today? And how is what you do different? This is a huge question. So yeah. just explain AI to me, sure. essentially. <laughs> yeah, I think the definition of AI is really fun in my perspective because it's actually highly argued inside of the practice itself on what it is. And there's kind of two different ways that people think about it. But at the end of the day, it's, do you have a really solid definition of what intelligence is? And then how do we make that artificial? And so Mm -hmm. the the whole field of artificial intelligence has been, how do we replicate decisioning processes with computers? So you can almost parallel everything in AI to people. Mm -hmm. We have memory, so do computers. We have logic that we intake data through sight and sound and touch. And our brain processes that to make decisions on fight or flight, or do I cross the street or do I not? And we're basically trying to teach those types of patterns to computers so that computers can kind of predict what might happen next and make Mm -hmm. decisions or augment decisions off of that. And what ChatGPT did was made it really fun for people to interface with that process. So... There is a subsection of artificial intelligence called natural language processing, which is really just the ability to interpret text or produce text, which is called generative. Mm -hmm. So you generate text or images or whatever. And that's fun for us because it's human-like, so we relate to it a lot. But there's all sorts of simple techniques outside of language that we process regular data or numbers and relational data that's different than text. And I think what ChatGPT did for people is it allowed you to experience this process of interfacing directly with AI. Mm -hmm. When in fact, we've all been experiencing AI through social media, Netflix, advertising, that's all forms of AI that's presenting recommendations to you. But this is just way more obvious Mm -hmm. and got people excited. Yeah. So I think the field's been super interesting because this has been going on since you know, their early time, probably 50 years, 60 years, this like study. And we've just now had enough data to do something interesting with. (laughs) And now we've got people excited about it, Mm -hmm. which is even better. So 
Can you expand a little bit on what do you mean by people in process? What was the issue that you were seeing and how do you solve it? The first thing we were seeing is that AI is this like interesting cultural challenge at companies. Because you have people who are doing their day-to-day operations, whether they're in supply chain or marketing or sales, and their sole focus is not data. It's getting their job done. And so that creates a really interesting challenge for companies because they actually have to collect different types of data that aren't necessarily operational. And that means you need to get non-technical individuals to care about data and to participate in the process. AI is a decision augmentation technology or an automation technology, which means we have to really thoroughly understand how people make decisions and figure out how to appropriately automate or augment them. And so it's really a people challenge because now you have to educate a ton of individuals at an organization to be able to leverage this technology appropriately. And on top of that, you have to put the right governing processes in place or this can go really bad really fast. And that's what a lot of companies are worried about today is the risk and the risk management, which is really a process problem. Mm -hmm. So what sorts of things are we going to put in place to prevent bad things from happening, to monitor what we've built so bad things don't happen in the future, and to be able to react to them accordingly? So are you coming into clients and to companies that you work with with a technological solution, or are you more sort of consulting with them on how to use other solutions that are out there? A little bit of both. We do a ton of education. We do some consulting services to help guide, create some roadmaps, help people with kind of gap analyses of where they're at and where they want to be in terms of maturity. And then we also have a platform that basically helps them build out all of their policies and procedures around data and AI, how are we going to do this, and helps them govern it from a people perspective. So you can't just like create a whole bunch of documents and then hope people are going to adhere to that. And that's essentially what we're trying to solve with our platform. As Reagan mentioned, she actually runs an organization focused on women in the technology field. I wanted to know how that's informed her personal experience. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of men in my career who have been awesome. Like my boss at Model App was unbelievable. He would just throw me into the deep end over and over again. And I, it scared me every single time. It was horrifying, actually. I know. I was going to say, I don't know if that's always like awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was super horrifying many times, but super fun mm-hmm. because there's kind of a rush of being able to see if you can do it you know, kind of flying me out to New York for these huge sales calls that he's like, you're running it. I'm like, great. (laughs) You know, like three years out of college. (laughs) So just being able to like rise to the occasion, I think was super fun. And he saw a lot of potential in me and gave me those opportunities. I think that's really important is to position yourself, whether it's a, doesn't matter the gender for your mentor, but finding those types of people to help guide you And give you that sense of credibility. Because I can tell you, when I walk into a room with him, or when I used to, I was the note-taker, coffee-getter. Like, nobody was paying attention to me. Nobody would even look at me during the conversation. And I was, like, the solutions architect that they should have been talking Mm -hmm. to the whole time. And then the second I would speak, you know, I would speak with a lot of authority and get their attention. And then 
you know, from there it would get easier. Mm -hmm. And I also created the organization to talk to other women about these types of challenges and how to overcome them. So I've just strategically surrounded myself with women who have already navigated those waters for like 20 years and have really good advice on how to present yourself, build your network, balance things. I mean, it's nuanced. It's so nuanced. Well, and what does the team at your company look like today in terms of women versus men? Yeah, we're Mm 50-50, which is awesome. Has that just been what's happened? Have you taken any sort of intentional steps towards that? I think it's probably a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. So again, at that company that I was at, there were three women and there were like 35 people at the company. Mm -hmm. And I was the only technical woman that was there. So we had two other women that were there in sales and marketing, which is great. But it was just a huge challenge because we were super underrepresented. And I remember even building an org chart because we didn't have one because we were a startup. Mm -hmm. And I built an org chart and then I color coded it by gender. And I like went up to my boss and I was like, this is a huge problem. And he was like, yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. But like, it's a really hard problem to solve. Mm -hmm. And part of it is every time you grow and you go to interview someone and a woman looks at the company and sees all men, they're less likely to want to work there, even if it's a really great opportunity. And startups specifically grow by network. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's the person you worked with at the job two years ago or the friend that is at X job that you're trying to get to come work with you. And that's what ends up happening is you get these really homogenous groups of people. And so because I've surrounded myself with women for the last eight years of my career, I know tons of really talented, incredible women in this space. And it's made it easier for me to trust and curate the team based off of that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's intentional, but I think it's also somewhat organic. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you also have some people worried about it, from my perspective, at least in ways that it drives efficiency, will that also drive job loss for some people? Mm -hmm. And Is that something you hear from companies? And and what's your message to reassure people who are worried they're going to lose their jobs to the robot, essentially? Yeah. I I mean, I would be remiss not to say that it is a concern. I do believe that. I'm not one of those people that's like, yeah, it's fine. It'll it'll be great. (laughs) Because I think there's always risk associated with it. And it's a tool. It's a technology. So just like the cell phone and just like the internet, a lot of bad things have happened because of that as well. I do think this is probably one of the most significant paradigm shifts that Mm -hmm. we're experiencing in terms of technology, just because of the level of sophistication that it brings. And my message to companies has always been augmentation, not automation, because a lot of these systems are still really dumb, Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. crazy as that sounds. Like, ChatGBT, when you message it, it does not always give you good output. Yeah, it's wrong. Right, it's wrong. And and you're like, also, I don't like what you gave me. Mm -hmm. Like, even Mm -hmm. if you gave me something back, I don't think it's good enough. And that's why people are talking about how to make prompts better and interface with it more efficiently because it needs guidance from people. So at least in the short term, I can tell you that There are probably a handful of companies that are moving really fast and nobody else is Mm -hmm. just due to the risk. What that means is that there's still a lot of job opportunity. It just might look a little different. Mm -hmm. And so we have to augment these systems to make them smarter. And I don't know what that means in 10 years, but 
In the short term, I think that there's a lot of good discussion happening from a regulation perspective. The U.S. and Canada and the EU, I think, are doing a great job on trying to create some guidelines. So think about the FDA and what that does for the food industry and setting up certain guidelines so that there is safety associated with what's being built and being used and it's somewhat regulated. I'm not a fan of overregulation, but I think it's important in this case, just from a safety perspective. And done in the right way, of course, uh, because we don't want to create monopolies for mm-hmm. things like this. So Yeah, the the idea that's come up, you know, when I hear creative types talk about it, I think it's Donald Glover, his production company, is hiring people to write prompts to, mm-hmm. you know, that that is a whole new field that's now opening up on that. So yeah, it's a, just like any technology advance, there's job loss, but also job creation. 100%. So. Yeah. Being a startup founder is a 24-7 gig. But Reagan did tell me about some of the ways she unwinds when she's off the clock, as rare as it is. So first and foremost, we do a big dive trip every year. So I'm a scuba diver. My fiance is as well. And a group of our friends and us every year will do a dive trip in December. So that's always something I look forward to. So yeah, we'll plan awesome. out this whole dive trip. Some Most of the time it's to the Caribbean because it's just easy to get mm-hmm. to. And there's great diving down there. So we'll do a ton of diving. We'll hang out, some rum tours, you know, yeah. the fun <laughs> stuff. And so that's something that I love to do. I'm trying to get back into playing the violin, mm-hmm. which I did for a long time and then stopped for a long time. So I think the balance of creativity and like your logical brain is good for you. So trying to find stuff like that. And then my fiance's got about a thousand hobbies. <laughs> so I'm always entertained about what's happening uh-huh. at our house. <laughs> is he in the startup world too? Or does he have more of a regular nine to five? Yeah, he's in cybersecurity. So he works for the state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good compliment. Yes. Then, I think. <laughs> Terrific. Did you meet diving or did no, you just? No, I forced him to learn. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. But it's good that you can share a passion. Yeah, totally. I knew Reagan would have a great answer to my usual closing question. What advice would she offer to young women just starting their careers? Yeah, I was just talking to a woman in college who was out to lunch with me and one other person. It was actually an intern of the person that I was meeting with, which I thought was awesome, by the way. It was a business meeting, and he was like, I'm going to bring this intern to lunch Mm -hmm. so she can sit in on the conversation. I was like, that's awesome. So she was there and got to participate in the conversation. And she's currently studying computer science at Ohio State. And I was like, it's got to be better there than it was when I went. Like my computer science classes where I was one of three in 75. Mm-hmm. And she was like, worse. I'm the only wow. one. So I thought it was getting better. Yeah, I, I think I have some bias to like people I've been around uh-huh. maybe. But it seems in that space, it's getting worse, which is a huge challenge. So I always say network is everything. You've got to really surround yourself with people that you respect and aspire to be and be organized and intentional about getting their time, you know, which I think is not always intuitive and kind of hard when you're younger. The other piece of advice I always give is ask about them, oftentimes when you're a little intimidated in a room, you get nervous and you want to fill the air with words. And so you start talking about yourself a ton. And it's hard to make that connection with someone who wants to invest back in you. And so I always say, like, be very intentional 
ask questions about them, give back to them in some way, shape, or form so that, you know, there's some incentive to build relationships. And that seems to work for folks. I also give a lot of advice on just being courageous and putting yourself out there, which I do a lot. And sometimes, you know, it's not met with the best reactions, (laughs) but I think it helps because you can kind of be authentic Mm -hmm. and you can build your confidence over time, which I think is super important. Like one thing we do with the conference is we have a speaker academy for first-time speakers. So oftentimes they don't get accepted to conferences because you've never spoke before. So we don't know how good you're going to be. And we give them professional coaching so we can get more first-time speakers in the speaking circuit. Mm -hmm. So just looking for opportunities like that where you can start to build up your own brand and figure out what you're interested in. So that's a lot of advice. (laughs) But (laughs) it's all great. (laughs) Yeah, but that's kind of what I usually say. Yeah, those are all terrific. That's amazing. So there was three out of 75. Yeah. And then there's one. I went went to a teeny tiny liberal arts school. So like two of my best friends in college were female computer scientists out of, you know, there were probably 10 people in the program. So what I take away from that is we're way better than I was made on gender parity by Southern regressive college. Yeah. Don't understand. But that's very interesting. <laughs> well, again, I feel like we could talk forever, but I think we've, we've covered a lot. So I just really appreciate you coming in. It was so nice to chat with you. Regan. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. And thanks so much to all of you for joining us as well. If you're not already, then follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll be notified of each new episode as it's released. Another huge thank you to Reagan for joining us. I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First, and this has been Women of Influence.